Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in Hokies fans to this edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We record on Wednesday, October 6th as we get ready for Notre Dame week in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech and the Fighting Irish facing off on Saturday night in Lane Stadium. It's going to be a rain-soaked day, also could be a defensive battle between these two good defenses and offenses that have struggled. So we're going to dive into that matchup and see who has the advantage between the Hokies and the Irish. All that and much more coming up on episode 197 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, whether you're listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or watching live or archived on YouTube. We ask you to like, comment, and subscribe if you are on YouTube, and if you are watching live on the YouTube channel. Make sure to drop a comment or question in the chat, and we'll have Will and Chris answer those later on in the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can help bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg as well. They are trying to build one of the fastest growing and best wrestling programs in the country. Go to southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. As always, I'm your host, Jake Lyman. We have the usual Wednesday crew on set. Will Stewart, our founder and general manager across the way. Chris Coleman, our lead analyst and columnist to my left. Behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land. And our fourth chair today is Katie Adams. She'll have some nuggets and some trivia at the midway point of the show and also get to your YouTube questions and comments at the end. Before we get into Notre Dame, I want to congratulate Chris Coleman. He just hit 10,000 <laughs> followers on Twitter. Um, you can thank NIL for that. <laughs> like over the last month, I bet like 300 high school football players have followed me. And I guess they think that like if they start following people, people will follow them back and they can build followings and they'll get more NIL money, which they won't. <laughs> you know, I think that has something to do with it. I appreciate their entrepreneurial spirit, though. Yep. Yeah. Very uh, some go getters out there trying to get Chris Coleman to pay him uh, for, for something. <laughs> so as he was closing in on ten thousand followers, I was thinking to myself, "Don't don't give him artificial juice, man. Just let him work his way up there." <laughs> so I didn't do anything like ask people on Tech Sideline to get him to ten k. He's close to ten k. Like Everybody, go follow him. Yeah. Right. Well, he's at 10K now, at Chris Coleman TSL, if you want to bump him up a little bit further, uh, if you're not following Chris already on Twitter. Uh, you actually just had a pretty good stat uh, uh, earlier today. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was also pretty wrong. It wasn't wrong. It was, uh, I just didn't read the entire information. Uh, PFF has, we were talking about average depth of target downfield, and PFF breaks it down into two different things. And you have to scroll to the bottom of the page to see that you can scroll all the way to the right and see that there's another category. <laughs> there's average depth of target uh, for 2.5 seconds or less as far as how long a quarterback holds the ball and average depth of target 
for greater than 2.5 seconds. Huh, so they're broken down into two, two separate metrics. So I did not know they were broken out, and I just tweeted out the info for the first metric under 2.5 seconds. Okay. Yeah. So how did it change it when it went? It went from third to 12th. Yeah. Right. Third, third, right. third okay. for under two point five. And people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. So let's let's not get into it because it's not one of those things that I can explain about the numbers. Right. Well, here I, I can I can boil it down. He tweeted out that Braxton Burmeister's depth of target was third in the ACC. Yes. Meaning that he threw like he throws the third longest passes on average in the ACC. But that's through the first like two and a half seconds of being in the pocket. So when he gets the ball out quick. He throws yes, further downfield. He field. generally yes. throws further downfield. Now, apparently, uh, overall, it's, it drops him to 12th, which is. Well, no, oh, above 2.5 seconds. Yeah. Greater okay. than 2.5 right. seconds, which so. makes more sense. Okay. But well, Bra- well Braxton, <laughs> once again, PFF verifies the eye test. Right. Yes. 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 And Braxton Burmeister is going to have a tough test with Notre Dame's defense on Saturday. Overall, this matchup, it seems favorable for Virginia Tech just looking at how Notre Dame has played this year they've relied on the defense even their blowout win over Wisconsin wasn't a blowout till late and took two pick sixes at the very end of the game so uh, Hokies have an opportunity in this game if they can keep it low scoring maybe eke it out I think so well I think I think neither team would be comfortable in a shootout unless of course it's like Notre Dame's Wisconsin game when they're just intercepting every pass Wisconsin's throwing and returning it for a touchdown. I guess you'd be comfortable with that kind of a high-scoring game. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think either team is sitting here thinking, man, if we fall behind by two scores and we have to throw the ball and drive 80 yards down the field, are we going to be able to do it? So, you know, both teams are, are going to be coaching and Spoiler playing. Spoiler alert, no. Right. <laughs> Probably not. Um, so it's, it's not going to be one of those games that, like, sets football back 100 years. I mean, that was like the bowl game with Rutgers or oh, the Forest game or something like that. Worst bowl game ever. Yeah, and, uh, but, but it's, it's not going to be – it's not going to be like a Big 12 shootout either. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be – it's going to be similar to the North Carolina game w- without like a first-round quarterback on the field yeah. um, like, and worse offensive line play. Notre Dame's got – so far, through the first five games of the season, have one of the worst offensive lines in the entire country. Maybe the worst. And we're going to back that up as we break it down further. We yep. Will. Well, we'll start with the quarterbacks for Notre Dame. They've had two that have gotten significant playing time. They've had three guys actually take a snap under center. Jack Cohn, the Wisconsin transfer, has gotten the most reps, but he's kind of more of a sit back in the pocket and throw the ball, but Drew Pine also getting some reps. He's thrown 30 passes, but he can get out of the pocket, which with an offensive line like you talked about that has struggled to protect the passer, maybe that's the kind of guy that they want to throw out there. I, If I were a Notre Dame fan, I would not feel comfortable with Cone going on the road and winning a game in a packed stadium uh, in a night game. He just he doesn't make good decisions under pressure. Uh, like His stats aren't bad, but if you just watch him, it's just not that great. Yeah, so let me read the stats because that's what's on the Tech sideline roster card. He will be listed as our leading passer on the on the roster card, but uh, we don't think he'll he'll start or maybe even play. So yeah. he's uh, ninety one at fifty on the year, just under sixty one percent, eleven hundred yards, nine touchdowns, and three interceptions, which sounds solid. That's not a great completion percentage, though. But, right, uh, and it's not great yards per attempt and all that. Yeah. Um, and he's really struggled, you know, the last three games as they started to face better defenses. Yeah. 
And he got hurt against Wisconsin and came out of the game. And then they brought in Drew Pine. And, and I actually saw this drive. Uh, I had already, you know, sat down on my bar seat to watch my football after the Richmond game. And so I saw Pine throw a touchdown pass to the tight end over the middle, and it was, he, he went six of eight. And that was after Cone got hurt and they had to bring Pine in. And then last week against Cincinnati, I guess, you know, Cone was healthy enough to play. I think they liked what they saw out of Pine the previous week, and they wanted to give Cone one more chance to sort of uh, shape up. And, yeah, and, and then and, and then he threw an interception the, on the Cincinnati one yard. Yeah, did line. you see the interception? Uh, I, I I don't think I saw it. Remember, I was painting my basement stairwell, so I heard about it. Oh, it's in Brandon Patterson's article. I I reput it and put the videos put, back. Put, in. Re, put the videos back yeah. in. He was under pressure, and he just kind of like just flipped it over to the left. It was kind of it, it was. Think about the Sam Howell interception against Tech to end the game, and think about the Ryan Willis. Let me just flip it over my I was head. Say, you were North making Carolina a Ryan Willis motion. <laughs> right, right. That's what I well, thought it well, was. Well, at that's, first. that's what Sam Howell did too. Sam Howell did a Ryan Willis against Tech. That <laughs> yes. night. Um, this was actually worse than either one of those. Wow! Because they were on the six-yard line, about to score. It was horrible. And so I, and, we'll, we'll get into this later. I got into that, into that in my portion of the preview where Notre Dame lost 24 to 13. They threw that interception, which either cost them three or seven points, depending on what would happen. They um, threw another interception, I think, that uh, gave the ball to Cincinnati on Notre Dame's 17-yard line, touchdown, and then they fumbled into a kickoff. So they failed to cash in on three to seven points. And they coughed up another 10 in an 11-point loss. Yeah, it was literally just a few plays. And that's how a lot of games are that's these football. days. That's football. Um, so I, I think they put Cone back in to say, you know what, Pine played well, but we're going to give you one more chance at it since, since you know, you did get hurt. And that's why he had to come in the game. Yeah. Um, so he went out there and did that. And then they brought in Pine. Well, and didn't they bring in Buckner for a few plays, though? But Buckner, Buckner did play. Yeah, Buckner's there kind of like, uh, is, is their uh, wildcat quarterback, so to speak? Yeah, they let him throw twice against Cincinnati. One of them was intercepted. Not not good. <laughs> he's, uh, he's their Connor Blumrick, except they let him throw. They, except they, they let, let him throw. throw Maybe they shouldn't. They yeah. Quickly grew to re- re- regret that. <laughs> and he's a true freshman. And Pine is a redshirt freshman. Yeah. Um, I think at this point, even if even if you thought like Cone and Pine were were even. Um, Cone's a senior and Pine's a redshirt freshman. You think about the the future. Yeah. If 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 it's even, play the younger guy because look, Notre Dame's not going to go to the playoffs this year. They're not going to win the ACC. Right, they're, <laughs> right. they're not in it this year. And uh, so, you think about the future of their program. He might be better for them now, but he's definitely going to be. If you think he's going to be your starter next year, yeah, go ahead and roll with it and and prepare for the future. So you're talking about a guy. Assuming Cone doesn't start, which he could. I don't think he will. But uh, I, I think Pine will be the guy. And if he is, you're talking about a guy who's a redshirt freshman who's thrown 30 career passes coming into Lane Stadium. So, like, there's not really, like, a great option here for Notre Dame. Yeah. And you think that's a large reason why they've struggled this year offensively is the last couple of years they've had Ian Book, who yeah. is now on an NFL, at least a practice squad right now. He's I believe he's with the Saints. Um but now you've got a guy in Cone who, yeah, he can stand there in the pocket, maybe he has more experience, but when you have an offensive line like they've had, giving up 22 sacks, which is the third worst in the country, yeah. uh, tied with North Carolina, by the way, uh, 
you can't really have a guy who can't be mobile and, and escape the pocket. Uh, yeah, and if you do, you better have like a really effective short passing game to get yes. the ball out of there. But their offense just hasn't been working. And you can, I don't know, it depends on it. It's your depends on your point of view of whether that's more quarterback or more offensive line. Um, I'm sure it's a lot of both. Yeah, combination. But but I, I I do think that having the more mobile guy back there is probably better for them at this point. Um, and it's and it's not just that that Cone isn't mobile; it's that his decision making under pressure isn't good. So it's a uh, in in make, again my viewpoint in a lot of this is the the very beginning of of me thinking about the upcoming games when I make up the roster card and I have to put in the, in the stats and look at the starting lineups and things like that. And I was struck by how similar Notre Dame's, just statistically, their their offensive situation is to Virginia Tech. Their quarterback completes about 60% of his passes. Same as Burmeister, 61%. Burmeister's got five touchdowns and an interception. Um, Cone's got nine touchdowns and three interceptions. The ratio is similar. Their leading rusher is is a tailback. In Tech's case, it's Holston at 4.4 yards a carry. And uh, in Notre Dame's case, it's Williams at uh, – 3.8 yards a carry, not good. Karen Williams last year rushed for 1,200 yards and yeah. averaged, I believe, 5.3 yes. yards per carry. Which, And this year he's at 3.8 yards per carry and averaging 57 yards per game. So that's, that'll show you right there that that's a big offensive line issue. I mean, yes. w- when your running back drops 1.5 yards per carry in one year and you're averaging 2.8 yards per carry as a team, which I think is next to last. They're averaging 2.4 yards 2. per 4, carry. 2.4, obviously. I can yeah. way too much credit. Fourth worst <laughs> in the country. Fourth worst. Of, God, there's three. There's so you three read the number and you're like, that can't be right, and you yeah. converted it to 2.8. Yeah, you went on right. Um, so wait a minute. Let me, let me finish up here. Their second leading rusher is a quarterback. In Virginia Tech's case, it's Burmeister with 144 yards. and Notre Dame's case, it's Buckner with 100 yards. And then you get into the receivers and – now, here's where they separate a little bit. Tech's leading receivers are Turner with 16 and Robinson with 14. Notre Dame's got their tight end, Mayer, with 32 receptions. But their second leading receiver has 15, just like Tech. So just looking at it statistically, it's very similar. Yeah, and I would say that probably if Mayer's healthy, he's probably the best player on, on either offense. I think um, so. He's a very versatile tight end. He can line up as an inline tight end. He can split out wide as an outside receiver. Uh, just a very, very dangerous player. Um, now, he got hurt last week against Cincinnati. Kind of a uh, a muscle strain on the inside of his leg. Adductor. Adductor is what that's called. Yeah. yeah. And I know that because when you get on the adductor machine in the gym – that's it, the. It's right there in front of me. That's the machine they always kind of put in the corner because it's the <laughs> one where many, you spread yeah, your yeah, legs. Yeah, like nobody that. wants to be in the middle of the gym doing. Nobody that wants to be on the adductor machine. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it would be nice if James Mitchell hadn't gotten hurt, and we could maybe counter that threat with our own yeah. Michael Mayer. But uh, but we don't know like how much he's been practicing this week. Brian Kelly talked on Monday about how they would need to manage him throughout the course of the week. I guess manage his health to make sure he's able to play. And he said he will play. And he said he'll. He's, as of Monday, Kelly said he was going to play. Yeah. They were going to man, manage him throughout the week, and he was going to play. That's a, that's a huge loss if he if, if he's he not, can't be one hundred percent. If he can't be one hundred percent, I mean, yeah. he's by far their best player on offense for yeah. sure. Well, it is strange looking at this North. Or excuse me, Notre Dame team. Uh, usually, you have that big tight end who is talented. And we look at Kyron Williams. I watched him play a lot last year, and I thought he was yeah. going to be a star. It is the offensive line that hasn't been as good. I mean, you think of 
Notre Dame offensive lineman in the NFL. There's more than you can count on both hands. Apparently they lost a bunch to to the next level last year. Yes. I can't give you the numbers. And it, it is strange to see them as by pass protection sacks, the third worst offensive line in the country, and that seems to be something the Hokies could take advantage of. You know, and they've got, they, but they've got, they've got a super senior at right guard, a redshirt senior at right tackle, a junior, a, at ju- a junior at center, uh, a redshirt sophomore at left guard. So you know, third year in the program, uh, but their guards aren't playing well at all. Um, th- their center's been quite good. Their right tackle's been okay. You know, they've really struggled at left tackle. Uh, Michael Cromati is their normal starter there. He's a redshirt freshman. But he's had an ankle injury, and he's only been able to play like 100 snaps. So uh, Tosh Baker has replaced him, who's also a redshirt freshman. And Baker has just gotten abused. Like, he's having a terrible season. He is not ready. But Tosh Baker is also in concussion protocol. And he couldn't finish the Cincinnati game last week. So their third option at left tackle, Joe Alt... Who is, act, who is actually listed as their backup right tackle and also their fourth tight end, I guess, in jumbo packages and things like that. He's mm-hmm. a true freshman. So they actually, I believe, finished the Cincinnati game with that true freshman at left tackle, down to their third option there. So we don't know what that position is going to look like this week. Carmody could be back. Maybe Baker passes concussion protocol. Maybe neither one of them happens, and it's true freshman Joe Alt. And, that, and so that's on the left side, correct? That's on the left side. So you're, you're going to line, line Taiwan Garbutt up from across, across from uh, that position? No, no, not in this. I mean, not well, in this. Well, Taiwan's listed as a right defensive end. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they, 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 they've, they've mixed it up. Have they? They've yeah. moved him around? Yeah. Okay. Well, looking at this Tech defense and how well they've played outside of maybe a quarter or a half in that first half of the West Virginia game, they've been very good and – they also had that great game plan for Sam Howell and the Tar Heels in week one. Now with a week off to prepare for this team, that there's kind of been a blueprint for how to stop this Notre Dame offense this season. You would assume Justin Hamilton is ready with a good game plan for this team. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, which quarterback do you expect to play? And I'm not putting myself in Hamilton's head or anything, but you know Jack Cohn is, is so bad under pressure that you, you kind of feel like, well, maybe we should blitz more, right. do more twisting and stunning, try to get as much pressure on the quarterback as possible and force those bad mistakes. The UNC game. Plan. Right. Yes. Whereas Drew Pine, it's such a short sample size, so it's hard to be sure, but he's only 5'11", 5'11 and a half. He's not a tall quarterback by any stretch, uh, just not a big guy in general. But his the, when he did struggle against Cincinnati last week, they gave him a spark, but it's, he was only 9 of 22. It's not like he went out there and efficiently lit them up and drove them down the field. I mean, that's a very, very low completion percentage. And and he at times showed showed kind of a lot of confusion when when seeing certain types of zones and things like that. So if Cone's in there, do you just blitz the heck out of him? And if Pine is in there, based on what you've seen with him struggling against zone, are you maybe more inclined to drop more guys into coverage to confuse a, a a redshirt freshman like that, a young player who showed signs last week of, of not being able to uh, to read a lot of zone. Well, and for Justin Hamilton, that must have helped you getting off weekend. You can watch that Cincinnati Notre Dame game as it's happening and see both quarterbacks and kind of see where they struggle and what he can do. Yeah, and the thing is, like maybe you maybe you've already got your game plan set, and then they change quarterbacks, and you're like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I have to redo my game plan now. Yeah, and I think they talked about that some in, in the in the media opportunities this week where they kind of had to be ready for anything. Yeah. 
Amari Barno is somebody I wanted to highlight when we talk about Notre Dame's offense versus Virginia Tech's defense. He has kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks after a big North Carolina game. We talked about the left tackle situation for Notre Dame. Maybe that's where you put Barno. You could try and put him over there yeah. if they have Joe Alt playing there yeah. as a true freshman. Give an opportunity to maybe pin his ears back and go out to the quarterback. I think you still have to mix him up to a certain extent because Notre Dame, they will they will help their left tackle, I'm sure. Um, and and you don't you don't want to line him up there every time just to have him double teamed every time. You know, that's that's not gonna do anybody any good. But uh I think you have to mix them up. But yes, that is a matchup that you would hope could be exploited. Now Barno does not have a sack or a tackle for loss since the UNC game. But he just released his uh, merchandise last week during the bye week. So <laughs> now would be the time to jumpstart those those hoodie sales. That's uh, true. Have a big game. Put your hat on after the game. <laughs> yeah. Say Go I'm going to, the to Disney conference. World. Yeah. The whole deal, man. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at Tech's defense, they've played so well. But the strength of this Notre Dame team has been their weapons. Their uh their pass catchers, and especially the running backs have been great out of the backfield as well. Mm-hmm. So these issues with the passing game for Notre Dame, it hasn't been because of a lack of options to throw the ball to. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a huge game for the Hokies secondary. They're going to have to step up in those passing situations. Yeah, um, I should have an opportunity to get some interception this game. At some point, a tech defensive back is going <laughs> to have his hands on the football, and he's got to come down with Let it. Let it be Jermaine Waller. Please Sorry, let it be three. Jermaine Waller. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I worry listening to all this discussion is uh, what who was the West Virginia tailback? What was his name? Why did you ask? Uh, Letty, tra- Letty Brown. <laughs> Letty. Letty. Uh, Letty. Yes. You know I write the game previews and they just forget and they it. They just all flush it. Yeah. Well, he you know he transferred from Florida State and and he didn't have like early in the season before Tech played him he hadn't really stood out and he certainly stood out running up the middle on one of the very first plays of the game. Second play of the game. Yep. So I worry about that kind of thing. This this is not a great Notre Dame offense. Just don't give up the cheap score, you know. And and that's really all that was against against West Virginia. That was just a cheap score. Yeah. Know? And so I hope that kind of thing doesn't happen in this game. Like if they if they throw it up to one of their wide receivers and he makes a play on it, or they earn it, you know, if they drive down the field on a score, fine, you know. But make them earn it. Don't have like a busted coverage or, oops, I just had a brain fart and missed my gap. As a linebacker, kind of you know, don't hand them something easy. And they did. They had one or two touched. Well, they had one passing touchdown against Cincinnati that was just. It was a big play. It was a thirty-two yarder, and Pine threw it. Yeah, up. In, in the single coverage, and the guy went up and got the ball. Made a play. Yeah, yeah right. like if if they score, make it be on plays like that where they earn it. Yeah. And talking about Kyron Williams, he is that playmaker for this team. Again, 1,200 yards last year. He hasn't been as good this year, but where he has been good is catching passes out of the backfield. He's averaging over 12 yards per reception and has two touchdowns. So that's going to be something the Hokies have to key in on and be able to cover him out of the backfield, even if he doesn't have the same ability behind this offensive line that he did last year. Yeah, uh, a longer 55, uh, 14 receptions. Chris Tyree, his backup. Uh, Richmond area Hokies will know who Chris Tyree is. Uh, he has 13 catches so far this year and also a 55-yarder. Yep. So they will dump it down to their running back. Sometimes they don't have any choice because the the, the defensive line is, is coming, coming out in waves. <laughs> you just got to flick it out there. But, uh, yeah, um, they do spread the ball around to wide receivers, to tight ends, and to running backs. Although outside of Mayer, I don't think they have a competent number two tight yep. end. Mayer kind of reminds me of – 
I know he's listed as a tight end, but he reminds me of that outside receiver they had a couple of years ago who got drafted. Whose name I can't remember. Whose name uh, I can't remember. Chase Claypool. Yes. Yeah, Claypool. Yes, Chase Claypool. He's the only player I ever saw in a game go up in a one-on-one situation with, with Caleb Farley and make the catch. Yeah. Was that on the last drive of the game? No, Farley was actually hurt on that's the last right. drive of the yep. game. Right. And Waller wasn't in the game. And that's probably why Tech lost the game. As what, good as they were that year, they were without those two awesome corners on that last drive. On that drive. last yes. drive against Notre And it was Claypool. It was third and 15 or something. Might even right. been fourth down, and Claypool down the middle of the field made right. the catch. Yeah. That's the type of guy that Mayer is, and it's funny looking at Notre Dame. They've had two tight ends drafted in the first three rounds of an NFL draft the last two years. It was Cole Komet two years ago, Tommy Tremble this year, and they've got another stud. Uh, just, he's just, just a sophomore. Too. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a redshirt sophomore or, or a true sophomore, but it that's what he's listed as. a true sophomore. Yeah. Well, Mayer is going to be crucial, especially on third downs, when they need somebody to throw to, maybe a guy you just toss it up to. And I, I was looking at third down, third down conversion percentage for both these teams, and both teams defensively are in the top 15 in the country. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, 28.4 is 10th. Virginia Tech, 13th in the country at 28.8. Yeah. And I think Notre Dame in the last two games has only surrendered something like 10.7% on third down. Yeah, it's down. 3 of 25. Yeah, which is something insane. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah, so you better get them on first or second or get them in – third and very short yeah. to have a chance to convert. Um, and Mayer is going to be important. And it's, and it's not, somebody asked me on the radio yesterday, it's like, who will Virginia Tech use on defense to counter Mayer? And I was like, it can't be one person because sometimes he lines up as a tight end. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he lines up as a wide receiver. I mean, you don't know what formation they're going to be in when, when, you, when you see him in the game yeah. because he can line up anywhere. I mean, it could be a traditional – in line tight end with his hand in the dirt formation, or they can go three or four wide. And so it's it's going to be Jermaine Waller. You know, it's going to be Dax Holyfield. It's going to be Alan Tisdale. It's going to be – it's got to be everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible that, you know, again, I'm sitting here listening to this and thinking, if, if I'm Justin Hamilton, what do I do? You know, and we're, we're like, well, pressure the quarterback. Well, there are different ways you can pressure the quarterback. If you pressure – if you bring – a linebacker or two, and you're rushing five or six guys, and they dump off to Ty, uh, to Williams or uh, Tyree, then you're in trouble. Do you try at the beginning of the game to just see what you can get out of your front three or four guys, particularly whoever's lined up overside the left tackle? It's it's my personal opinion. I haven't looked at any stats to back this up, but it's my personal opinion that Hamilton has been he's relied more on a three and a four man rush than he has in bringing linebackers to generate pressure. And again, that's just what I think from watching. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what way he goes in this. We'll, we'll get into this later, but this is going to be a field position game. I would, if I'm blitzing, I'm more in line to, inclined to blitz on an early down and try to get them in long yardage situations. Right. Because I think if you're second and 12 or third and 12, it becomes a lot more difficult to pick up a first down and change field position than you know, it is if you pick up four yards on first down, and then all of a sudden it's second and six. Yep. Um, I'd actually be more inclined to blitz on early downs in this game. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, as long as you pick your gaps carefully and, you know, make it more of a run blitz and then and keep them to second and ten, and then it changes things. Well, especially on third down, if you blitz and they sneak Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree out there, those are the type of explosive playmakers that if you don't have somebody for a screen, they could – go all the way. I mean, we saw that against UNC. They blitzed at the wrong time, and Josh Downs right. took it all the way to the house. Yeah. You're right, and Tech hasn't been a big blitzing team this year. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the field position, and I think that is going to be crucial for these teams. 
I believe we'll add the stat 25 out of 26 opposing drives. It, it, oh, the only it's, one it's is more than that. It's like the, the, the one where, uh, Katem threw the Kate interception. Threw the interception. It, it's actually, I think in the forties, it may be like a 45, 45 or 46. Or 46. Yeah. Well, Katem's interception against Richmond, the only time an, an oppo- opposing team has started in Virginia tech territory, but this is a Notre Dame team that's forced 12 turnovers in five mm. games. So yeah. it's kind of strength on strength there. Can the Hokies take care of the football, or is Notre Dame going to be a little bit too good? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Someone went around the wrong pipe. <coughs> um, I think Break you have to drink a water from the Hank Aaron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think you need to pick your spots. Um, you can't be, you can't throw it down the field just for the sake of doing it. Um, yeah, you have to. When you see single coverage on the outside and you've got Trey Turner out there, then yeah, absolutely. Um, but they will mix up their coverages and things like that. So you have to make sure that you're not reading one thing pre-snap and then that safety bells out and then you're, as it ends up, you're throwing into double coverage deep. You know, they're, they're quite good at things like that. So you got to be careful. The thing is, like, I know this is not something fans want to hear, uh, but this is a game But where if you play it conservatively and careful, you probably got a better chance to win because the Notre Dame offense is not good enough to come in here and just put up 30 or 40 points on Virginia Tech and, and outscore them. You just, you just don't turn it over because the, they can score 40 points in a game, as Wisconsin found out, but only if you just throw them the football. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things, you know, there's that old, that old saying that football games are lost by mistakes more than they're won by, you yeah. know, making plays and, you know, that's that's the case here. And again, as Chris said, fans don't really want to hear that. So if you see some jet sweeps and runs up the middle and things like that when it's early in the game and Tech's on their own 20-yard line, you know, it's the it's the safe play. It's the, it's the play that in a lot of ways makes well, sense. I don't like it either, but it's the play that makes sense. And it doesn't seem like on third downs we're going to see Tech airing it out, try, especially third and longs. It's going to be a lot of draws and screens. Again, playing the field position game because – I think a lot of the reason Tech's defense has been so good is the complimentary football. They haven't been put in tough situations all Tech, Tech is fifth in the country in offensive field position, seventh in the country in defensive field position, fifth in the country in net field position. Um, Virginia Tech is actually 51st in the country in available yards on offense. And available yards are measured by the percentage of yards you pick up based on your starting field position. So t- – if you start at the tw- at the twenty, you're on twenty. You could potentially gain eighty yards. You got eighty, and if you gain yards. forty, then you picked up fifty percent of your available yards, right? So Tech is like right around forty eight or forty nine percent of their available yards gained this year, which is fifty first in the country. Uh, they're not scoring a lot of points, but what they're generally doing is picking up a, a first down or two every drive. So they're punting from closer to midfield, which means opposing offenses are generally starting from deep in their own yep. territory against Virginia Tech. And Tech is dominating the field position game this year. And that's why they beat North Carolina. It's absolutely why they beat North Carolina. It's because they crushed them in the field position game. Uh, you know, like everybody else, when Virginia Tech hired Justin Fuente, a former offensive coordinator, I'm expecting high-flying points, everything like that. And so what we got is Frank Beamer 2.0, which in, high, in rep, retrospect, ret, retrospect should not be surprising because he came from Gary Patterson's program. Right. And, and he appreciates, like you said just a minute ago, how all three facets of a game work together. Right. You know, and and Frank's thing, where he was somewhat revolutionary, even though I think Bobby Bowden did it before Frank did, 
Frank felt that the special teams could be a unit that you could use to score and you could use to change the course of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so so Frank also appreciated how all three facets work together. And and that was reflected in how his offense played versus knowing they had an awesome defense year in and year out. And Fuentes made comments through throughout his six years at Tech that, that lead you to understand that he thinks in the same way. Notre and Notre Dame defensively, I think they're something like 98th in, in field position this year. And that's because their offense goes backwards so much. So, And that's why I say I would blitz on early downs. Um, because if you get them in long yardage situations and, and you get early sacks or tackles for loss and things like that, it makes them more difficult for them to pick up a first down. So they're punting from deeper on their own territory. So you're getting the ball closer to midfield. Even if you don't score on that drive, if you pick up one first down, then you can punt and pin them inside the 10. You can punch your way down the field. I know that sounds boring. And then you hit a big play and you're inside their 20 or their 10. Right, right. And I know that sounds boring, but that's how most that's how that's how Frank Beamer would have looked at this game. Right? Well, that's mostly how wars are fought, right? A little bit at a time. <laughs> Chris was like, uh, well, they don't punt in wars. Yeah, they don't punt. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it depends. Yeah. Depends on the war. Depends upon the war. <laughs> um, I know that sounds boring. Trust me. I'm going to be a fan in that stadium like everybody else. I would love nothing else than to see Virginia Tech roll out there and hit an 80-yard <laughs> touchdown pass on the first play from scrimmage. But that's probably not going to happen. If Virginia Tech goes down there and just starts throwing it all over the field against Notre Dame, especially downfield, that's Virginia Tech's weakness as an offense is throwing yeah. the ball down the field. Notre Dame intercepting passes against teams foolish enough to throw down the field against them, that's Notre Dame's strength. They have nine interceptions this year. It would be like – it would have been like – uh, a, a mid-2000s ACC team coming out and trying to throw the ball down the field against Brandon Flowers and Jimmy Williams and DJ Parker and that whole group. They all tried it, and they Some shouldn't of them did. Have. Yeah, <laughs> right. They weren't able and to. And none of them, it just never worked, and it wasn't smart to do for those other teams to do right. that. Um, so it wouldn't be smart, I don't think, for Virginia Tech to do that in this game. Uh, I think you pick your spots. Like, if you see Trey Turner and man coverage on the outside, then by all means, go for it. Um, but in a game like this, you know, a first down can be very important. Just one first down on a drive can be very important because of field position. Fans maybe need to expect just a, a slog of the it's game. It's going to be a listen, grinder, man. Listen, it's going to be a grinder. You're going to have all day to tailgate, so take advantage of it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might be it, rainy, help though. you enjoy the game more. Wait, it might be rainy, which could make this even, yeah. even worse. It's going to be just running in some mud and I, I think we could see maybe like a six to three final in this game or something. <laughs> the, I'll tell you where the biggest impact of the rain is gonna be is you can kiss that stripe effect goodbye. Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. as, as a I, I have to make sure I have an orange poncho. Uh, I've only got I've got a maroon poncho. I'm in an orange section, you know, so uh I don't know. I'll, I'll dig around in the closet and see what I can find. But everybody's got a plan for I don't, that. Well, it, the, it the seems thing is, like ponchos are just multicolored like when it starts raining you start seeing pink and green showing up in the in the stands and well, it just... well clark ruin texted me right before we started the live show and he said skittles effect <laughs> oh, I, I remember one time before a game i was stupid enough to not check the radar sure enough i wake up that morning and it's raining and I, well the day before it said it probably wasn't gonna rain but then it was raining so i had to improvise i couldn't find a poncho so i had to go to kroger before the game and buy a poncho and all they had was like these pink ponchos that were child's so i was wearing this <laughs> tiny little pink poncho <laughs> and i was like i'm not even sure this is worth it <laughs> so if you, so i'm gonna get my poncho in advance this year 
you got three days to plan ahead, Hokies fans, for <laughs> possible rain and lane stadium. We're going to dive into Notre Dame's defense on the other side of the break, but before we get away from the offense, the crowd. It's a 7.30 night game, although it's going to be rainy. It feels like the two weeks removed from the Richmond game have kind of brought the buzz back. It seems yeah. like Blacksburg is ready for this game. Do you think it's going to be UNC maybe even better on, on Saturday? I think because of the weather, no. I think that will take the edge off of it. Uh, well, you know, we'll see. Um, the weather forecast, just I checked it yesterday when I wrote the preview, and I checked it again today to go back and edit my paragraph where I talked about the percentage of chance of rain. Well, see, I had changed it from 24% to 51% for weather.com when I edited last night. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the AccuWeather percentage of rain chance actually dropped from yesterday okay. to today. Okay. And, and if you look at the estimated like amount of rain, I, I want to say it's something – it's less than two tenths of an inch during the day on Saturday, and maybe like one tenth of an inch on Saturday night. It's so not it's that so much it's, rain. So it's, it's not. It's, like, it's not going to be Boston College yeah. 2007. Right. Yeah. So and or even Pitt 2019. Right. And I'm telling that you, was bad. 65,000 people sat there for three hours against Boston College in 2007. That was a that was a party. Everybody yeah, stayed party. the entire game, and <laughs> fans they're just not as tough these days. I don't recall that game. Did, did Virginia Tech play Boston <laughs> College in 2007? 2009 Miami game is another one where yeah, it was just yeah. pouring buckets. And All right, everybody so, stayed. So, so the weather.com app says overcast with rain showers at times during the day, 68% chance. Okay. During the day. And it doesn't put it, a number on it. And it on says that. at times. It doesn't mean it's going to be All raining. All the time. Yep. And then, so that percentage drops from 68% to 43% at night. Showers early becoming less numerous late. We're going to be fine. It should be fine. All right. It's football, man. And you would think for a game this big, you look at Tech's remaining games on the schedule at home. With Pitt is going to be a big That's game. That's big. It's yeah. going to be a big game, but it's going to be a big game. But our fans aren't going to treat it. Yes, like and it's game. not. It's not the most flashy name opponent. And then Syracuse and Duke. I think Tech fans are going to show out for this game. I, I think they will too, and then they won't for Pitt. Pitt's a better football team than Notre Dame, and Ooh, and, and more, we need them to a be more there important for the game. Right. Yes. All right, well, we are going to hop into Notre Dame's defense on the other side of the break. Before we head to break, it's time to send it over to our fourth chair and Katie Adams, who has some notes and, and trivia and whatever else she's got. So we talked about the Notre Dame quarterback controversy a little bit already. If I had to guess, I would say that Drew Pine's going to trot out there under center. Right. May not be informa new information to you all, but I think it would be an interesting tidbit for some of the fans. If he does come into Lane Stadium and he loses, he's going to get an earful from his uncle, who is Jim Pine. Former Virginia Tech offensive Whoa. line All-American. How did I not know that? I was going to mention it until... I assume that you guys did know about it. That's I why I said it may not that. be new information. So, so to not steal any thunder, I purposefully don't like look at the opponent game notes. Well, where'd, you, where'd you get that It from? wasn't even in the game notes. My whole dad's side of the family is a big Notre Dame fan, so I heard this from them last weekend. Wow. wow. I'll, oh, I'll have to go into his like roster bio. And see if it's it it I don't think it's on there. Really? I looked yeah. it up. Uh, I, I was just curious and i looked up drew pine jim pine and it was like an article when he was getting recruited so uh, he's got to be from new england then i guess right yes. he's from canada oh he's from canada Actually. well jim pine was from massachusetts yeah so that, he that, like moved there yeah. in high school to okay. play for a good program okay. but that'll be interesting for him playing and looking up and seeing pine in the rafters 73 <laughs> wow. retired oh let's see i bet I wonder if anybody in the media knows that at all. Like, I, it I know wasn't, wasn't in the game notes. It should be. He, wow. he, he wasn't in, available for interviews yesterday. Apparently, Brian Kelly threw like, 
one regular player and three walk-ons out there for him. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. He, he's, just, just like Virginia Tech yeah, used to do. Right. Uh, um, so, yeah, he should get asked about that after the game, though. So a little bit of Jim Pine trivia. Uh, tell me if I'm remembering this correctly. Jim Pine's grandfather and father played in the NFL. I believe that. Yeah, they have a football did, family. So three yeah. generations. Now, one of my earliest memories of Virginia Tech football, I was 10 years old, and you know the All-American show they do around Christmas Day or whatever? Who hosted yeah. it back then? It was day? Bob. Was it Bob Hope? I think it was Bob Hope. Yeah. And I remember watching that show when I was 10 years old to see Jim Pine on see that Jim show because he was a first-team All-American. Well, I remember looking at Playboy just to see Bruce Smith, and that was the only page I looked at. <laughs> so it would be some scene if they choose Jim Pine to do the let's go before the fourth quarter. Oh, <laughs> That'll be interesting. I'm waiting to see who they use for that. And if it's him, that would be funny. Very but cool. Very cool. Moving on from that, Virginia Tech seeking to get their second win at home against a top 25 team. I think this will probably be their last opportunity to get a ranked win at home. I think it's safe to say that Syracuse isn't going to be ranked. Duke isn't going to be ranked. Pitt could be ranked, but they're coming off of a bye, so I doubt that they're going to jump back into hmm, the polls. Yep. Curious to see if you guys know the last season that we beat two ranked opponents at home. Two ranked opponents at home. Oh, oh, I oh, think oh, I know oh 2009. Yep. Well, that would have yeah. been my first guess. It was On actually back-to-back weeks. Nebraska it was. Yes. And Miami. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so Nebraska was ranked. Miami oh, yeah. and then yeah, Nebraska. Or Nebraska well, and then remember, Miami. remember, Nebraska never won fewer than nine games under Bo Pelini. And then they, they fired him. And they had and an look at awesome him. defense that year, and like maybe one or two. They had Indomitian Sue. Yeah, they yes. had uh, and Jared, God, who was Jared the corner? Crick. Um, uh, Mukamara. It might have been yeah. Mukamara. Yeah. I'm not. Levante David wasn't there quite yet. I don't, I don't think, think. So. Yeah, but they were loaded. Yeah, and and it, they had Roy Halu Jr. Good I running think back. The running he was, back. Yep. He was good. He played for the Redskins. I'm for sure a while. their quarterback's name was Martinez. It See, was I guess 2009, <laughs> but I, I lost the fact that they also played uh, Nebraska, so I wouldn't have been able to tell you who the second one was. Yeah. Well, remember, didn't Tech go? That was the last time beat Tech beat a top 25 team at home until they beat Wake Forest last year or yeah. 2019. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wake Forest last year. Right. That's the same as beating Nebraska. In well, and, and, yeah. and I know that in Frank's last four years, starting in 2012, Tech was bad at home. We, we like, any time we, we played a big game, you were like, oh, please let it be on the road because we're not going to win at home. They, they were, they were yeah. very good on the road. I'm not going to say great, but they were very good. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about how rain is in the forecast. I really wanted to be able to find a cool stat to see how well Tech plays at home in rain games and couldn't find anything on that. But I guess recent home games where there was a downpour, recent memory, Pitt 2019 Pitt. comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett was still their quarterback. He scored zero points, but he's probably going to come in here and score 50. Like He's, he's been doing this season. <laughs> yeah, actually, can we like let the – Rain hold off until next week instead of this yeah. Week. Can we trade? Yeah. Make yeah. a trade? That would yeah. be nice. And then before that, just off the top of my head, was it Duke in like 2015 or 2016 where there was players sliding in the end zones? 2017. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was 2017, 2015, Pitt when they hold us to 100 yards of total offense. That was a rainy day. That was rainy. Yes. That was horrible. That's yeah. that's the picture Avon has during the national anthem, and it, it was like there's nobody, there's nobody in the, in the crowd because yeah. like everybody knew what was going to happen, and it happened, and it happened, <laughs> and, and, and like it's it, going to rain, and we're not going to get anywhere on offense. <laughs> we're going to be bad, <laughs> so we're not coming this week. Um, well, that, that was that was the game that really started the push towards Frank's retirement. Was when they had 100 yards against Pitt. 100 yards against Pitt, and, and, yeah, and it was just awful to watch. Yeah, and uh, it was cold. You know, I rolled in the stadium and like. I was the only person in my entire row. I was the only person in my row and the row in front of me, and there was like one person in the row behind me. And I just 
I couldn't get anybody to go to the game with me. Man. And oh, it was brutal. Uh, so, so that 2017 Duke is that right? Is that what yeah, you, yeah. That, I forget the final score. Twenty four to three, I think, was the final score of that game. Now, I I remember that one because I was in the indoor club seats in the south south end zone, so yeah. I beat the rain for that. Well, one. you remember that that game triggered the whole discussion of what about that whole system they used to have? Yes, to, that's, to drain the field. That's actually I almost brought this up earlier. Is that fixed now? Okay, so you so you youngins need to be educated here. Uh, <laughs> so the the Georgia Tech. The 2000 season opener, when when it was canceled by lightning, mm-hmm. it rained. So the lightning made everybody leave the field. And then it started pouring rain, and it rained for like an hour. And there was no thought of just wait until it quits raining and play the game because the, the field was just flooded. So after that, Virginia Tech uh, installed a, a tray system in the field, and it was trays of grass that they were, it was modular and you could bring it in and, and, and set it down. And so it would drain underneath these trays and there was this whole subterranean system for sucking the water out. And, and tech was, uh, was on television sometime within the next year or two after they got that installed and they showed the pump on the sidelines. It was a thing almost as big as this room. That would suck the water out 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 from the field and and rush it off. So in 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 twenty, uh, it, it didn't come up in two thousand nine that I remember in that Miami game. Oh, that was fine. But that twenty seventeen Duke game when water was standing on the field. <laughs> oh, everybody, everybody yeah, started. That, even our worst rain games in the past, it just drained right off. Everybody yeah. started yeah. asking the question: Well, what happened what to happened that, to that pump system? Couple million dollar system that was supposed to suck the water out of the field. So I emailed people over at Tech, and they're like. Uh, I don't know. We're looking into it. Yep. So it's one of the things that gets lost from, you know, that was the Jim Weaver regime right. early in the Jim Weaver regime. And then 15 years later in Whit Babcock's regime, people are like, I don't know what you're talking. So it's like it was either broken or somebody forgot to turn it on. Maybe they I, forgot I it existed. Know. Yeah. Well, it didn't seem to be that bad for the, the pit game a couple of years ago, the 2019 yeah. pit game. Now, as far as tech in the rain, it's a mixed history, man. I mean, everybody remembers the 2009 Miami game as a great moment. One of my first ever games at Tech was the 1995 Cincinnati game. So not uh, so great. Yeah. Boston College, not so great. Pitt two years ago, 28 nothing, great. Not at home, but uh, hurricane game a few years ago. Hurricane game against Texas A&M in 2003 was awesome. Yeah. Um, what was the one a few years ago? North, North Carolina. Oh, that was on the, on the road, but yes, that was a great moment. So, and, and there was one either 1995 or 96, Jeff Holland, if you're listening, please oh, chime in. Oh, it was in. Akron opening. Well, well, where they traveled to Rutgers, and that was back uh, when Rutgers was, and Tech used to go 95. at it every year. Yeah. That was 95, and that was a mess. Uh, it wasn't on television, but just seeing pictures and highlights mm-hmm. from it. Every time a guy takes a step, a big splash. So it's a mixed history in the rain. I think. Yeah, every, everybody tries to ask the question, who does the rain favor? I, I just don't think you really know until you uh, it, You know, it, both of these teams, neither one of these teams has a particularly strong running game. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's it's going to favor whoever happens. It would favor whoever happens to not screw up. Whoever favors doesn't the defense. slip and fall. Right, yeah. right. But I, I, think it'll, I, think, I don't think it's going to rain hard enough for it to – or the ball is going to be slick, per se, I guess. But I don't think it's going it, to be some kind of – Not going to be a downpour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope like well, let's hope that we play like we did in that 2019 pit game. But that's all for me. Perfect. Thank Excellent. you, Katie. And we're gonna get it back to Katie for YouTube questions and comments later as well.
You had something? Nope. Nope. We're good. All right. We're going to take a break here on episode 197 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. When we come back, we're going to dive in to how the Hokies offense can start to improve against a really tough Notre Dame defense. Make sure you stay with us here on episode 197 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back into episode 197 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've got the full crew on set. Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Jake Lyman, Katie Adams is in the fourth chair, and Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. We are looking at Virginia Tech and Notre Dame on Saturday in Lane Stadium. A huge matchup for the Hokies after their bye week following a win against Richmond two weeks ago. We've already talked a lot about the Notre Dame offense and their matchup with the Hokies defense, but the strength of this Irish team has been the defense all year long, and they are... Very, very good with a lot of talented guys on that side of the ball. New defensive coordinator, too, Marcus Freeman. Uh, came from Cincinnati. He's only 35 years old, so he's even younger than, than Justin Hamilton. Uh, is considered a high riser in the sport. Yeah, he was at Cincinnati for four years in 2017 through 2020. Yeah, that's, that's right. And you know, he did a great job there. Notre Dame hired him. It was not really a surprising hire, in my opinion. It wasn't going to take too much longer for somebody to go in there and get him. And, uh it's kind of a mix-up coverage, mix-up fronts, a lot of deception and things like that. So they'll be quite a challenge. Um, they're, they're big without being too big. Where they're particularly big to me in this is in the secondary. Cornerback Cam Hart, 6'2 and a half, 205 pounds. Free safety Kyle Hamilton, 6'4, 220 pounds. I mean, uh, their their rover is 6'2, 222. Uh, so they got some big guys back there. Excuse so. me. I, I want to interrupt for a rant. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt, but I just, I just <laughs> have to get this out there. So, again, I talk about making up the roster cards. I can't remember who the other team is, but Notre Dame is the second team I've encountered, which measures their players, I'm not exaggerating, to an eighth of an inch. Six one and five eighths. Six two and seven eighths. I think so, UNC is the other team that does that. Was it UNC? Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Notre Dame, I think, is unique in that they, they list players by their academic level and their football eligibility. eligibility. Right. So you will see graduate and senior, meaning they're taking graduate-level classes, but they're senior-level for football. And it was nice of them to like put asterisks next to all the super seniors that they have, yeah. which uh, isn't that many. Which, which I did not transfer over to the roster card, but – so if you care, um, I did not try to convert the the eighths of an inch. I just cut them off. So if somebody is six two and seven eighths, they're listed at six two. Okay. So that makes to, it easier for you instead of yeah. having to round. Well, this is. Uh, I mean, you know, Malcolm, put the camera on me. You can see how much detail is in one of these roster cards. You know, and and. Yeah, I don't have time to mess around with converting your eighths of an inch Notre Dame <laughs> or North Carolina. All right, Chris, sorry. Back back to the show. But, yeah, um, so I, I think Tech's receivers will have to be physical against these guys, and, and that's been an issue in the passing game. Now, what the strange thing is Tech's been dominant in run blocking at, at the wide receiver position, and this will be part of inside the numbers tomorrow. But uh, Caleb Smith and Tavion Robinson rank third and fourth in the country and run blocking grades for wide receivers. For wide receivers. And the top two players both go to Arizona State. So it's it's odd seeing the top two guys at one school, the next two guys at another school. <laughs> and, uh, Robinson's the outlier there because Caleb Smith's a big guy, 6'2", 225. One of the Arizona State guys is 6'7", 230. 
and the other one is 6'3", 206. 6'7", 230. He's a regular Bucky Hodges, isn't he? Wow, yeah. And, uh, so I bet I, they list him at tight end. <laughs> no, they list him at wide well, they list him at wide receiver on PFF. Uh, PFF okay. knows what's they, up. They, they, yeah, yeah. They, I'm, I'm saying Arizona State probably list him. They as probably tight end. list yeah. him as a tight end. Um, when he came, no, I won't say that. Anyway, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so, so I know the physicality is there for the Virginia Tech wide receivers because they do it in the running game, but they're, they're not quite so physical against the pat and against physical cornerbacks. Sometimes I, I don't think. Uh, so they might, but that's something that needs to take a step forward against Notre Dame. So Herm Edwards gets his receivers blocking over there. He gets his receivers blocking. He sure does. Notre Dame, uh, I want to look back in North Carolina. The main guy we talked about was Sam Howell. Might be the best quarterback in the country going in, as we said. Maybe a number one draft pick. Well, that's Kyle Hamilton for Notre Dame. He is currently being mocked in the top five of NFL Mm -hmm. drafts this next year. I saw him at three in the last one I looked at. Maybe the best defensive back in the country. 6'4", 222. Three safeties, 6'4", 222. Yeah. Man. Yep. Um, again, like I said, this might not be the game where you just start <laughs> airing it out down the field just for the sake of doing so. Because they're secondary. Their whole defense is legit. But but when you got this guy at free safety out there, man, that's, that's, that's tough. So he's number 14. He's the one to look for. And it's interesting because he's 6'4". The strong safety is, you know, air quotes, only 6'0". He weighs 222. The strong safety weighs 202. So just looking at the roster, you'd expect him to be flipped. Yeah. But it's all about skill set. It's all about skill set. Well, yeah. did, did you see the interception he had against Florida State uh, in that first game of the season? Yeah. So they showed later on, it went viral on Twitter, it was the angle from the back. So, like, looking over the defense towards the offense and – Kyle Hamilton is not on the screen at the beginning of the play when the ball gets thrown, and he runs to the sideline and intercepts it. I mean, it, it was one of the cooler interceptions I've ever like seen. Like I said, if he if he went ran from the middle field to the sideline and he was able to get there that quickly, then even then, like even if you get single coverage on Trey Turner on the outside, it might turn into double coverage real quickly with a guy yeah. with that kind of range. Yes. So maybe like you want to try to get your. Uh, your deep shots, your isolation shots to the boundary, if possible. But if this guy's on the on the field side, on the on the free side, you know, not I don't know if this is comparing apples and oranges or not. But I always like to make these random comments. When you talk about that play, it reminds me. Do you remember Adonis Alexander against Purdue? Oh yeah, in twenty fourteen, yeah. making a similar play where he came from far away to make an interception. And I guess. Uh, did Tech move him around when he was here? Do you well, remember? he start, He was a safety his first year, and right. then they moved him to corner. Right. So that would have been a play. He, he took the as, Jimmy Williams route. Yeah. Now, that would have been a play as a safety, and then he eventually moved to corner. So hearing you describe that play, yes, it's all about skill set. If he yeah. can read a play and close like that, then who cares if he's 6'4 or 6'0 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, Hamilton has three interceptions already this season, and this is a Notre Dame team that's forced 12 turnovers. I mentioned this in the first half. Uh 15 sacks on the season as well. This is a defense that likes to make big plays. Hokies offense that hasn't made a ton of mistakes. So uh, kind of like a movable force for unstoppable force versus a movable object. Who's going to win? Yeah. And you know, you can even break it down into special teams. So I'm sitting here breaking down this game from our preview and I'm like looking at the offenses and I'm like, honestly, Tech's offense is probably a little bit better, but they're, you know, they're still close in terms of like effectiveness and points scored and all that. Um, 
then you look at the defense, and they're pretty similar. You know, Notre Dame creates more havoc than Tech's defense, but, you know, over the whole, similar defenses statistically. So I'm like, well, maybe I can find a difference in special teams. So I look up the FEI special teams ratings, and Virginia Tech is 30th and Notre Dame is 36th. And I'm like, God, <laughs> no difference in advanced special teams metrics either. And that's when I landed on the field position stats that I ended my game preview with. And that's why I ended up making the pick that I made, which we'll get to later. So drilling down into special teams, um, you know, Notre Dame as a kicker, I believe, is a senior. Um, Door, Jonathan Door. Jonathan Door, yeah. He's 7 of 10 this year, and I can't remember what his – his career statistics are 74.1% on field goals. Right. And then you look at Tech, and you've got uh, John Parker Romo. Now, I didn't know this, but Romo kicked a year at uh, Tulsa. He sure did. Yeah, and he was – let's see, he's one of three this year, right? Yes. He was two of five at Tulsa. The only position where there's more people on the transfer portal than quarterbacks is kicker. Is kicker, yeah. So Romo's for his career is three of eight, and he's – so that's 37%. So he's going up against – going up against – a guy who is, uh, you know, 74% for his career. So, you know, when we get into the picks later, that, that comes into play and in how one of us picked was that statistic. Does yeah. that, reading through the preview, that was somebody's main reason for their pick. Yeah. Um, for the defensive line for Notre Dame, Isaiah Foskey plays the Viper defensive end, is yeah. that, I guess what they call That's it. That's what they call it. Uh, could be uh, pretty impactful, especially if Silas Janzi's not playing. He has five sacks this season. Yeah, um, that's one of the things to watch for. As soon as Virginia Tech has the ball, and I noticed this before the Richmond game, you know, you get in there 30 minutes early and they do the starting lineups over the PA, and, and they announced right Tech's regular starting offensive line out there. And then, but then the actual game starts, and it's, and it's Lasita Smith at left tackle and Hoffman at left guard, and that's not what they announced before the game. The first drive of the game, look out there and see what Tech's offensive line looks like and see who's lined up where and see if Lucita Smith is, is at left tackle, see if Jansy's back and is at right tackle. Um, that's probably that's the first thing I'm going to look for, I think, the first time Virginia Tech has the ball because that's going to be critical. Um, Foskey has five sacks on the year. 6'5", uh, 260. That's scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good player. I mean, I mean, honestly, Notre Dame's defensive line is always good. They've always got good players up front, but big players, uh, not not huge players, but, but big guys, and strong guys. looking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I see some names I recognize on here, like Howard Cross. He's their backup nose guard. Virginia Tech recruited him, and I, I remember like I loved his film. Like he's not as big as like your traditional defensive tackle, but for, for a guy who lines up right over the the center, that that's fine. Um, Do you remember if he was being recruited while Charlie Wiles was still here? Yes. Yeah, he was. Which makes sense considering his size. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, uh, J.D. Bertrand's a good, a very good linebacker at will. He leads them in tackles. Um, but yeah, you know, the, to me, the main. I'm not going to say like I guess you would say that their se- the secondary is their strength with Kyle Hamilton back there. But I look at their defense and like. I guess they have a weakness, relatively speaking. But it, overall, it's just a solid defense across the board. And you mentioned some notable names. Myron Tagavailoa Amosa is cu- cousin of Tua and you're, you're a true professional. <laughs> I know you did your research on how to pronounce that. Me, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I oh, wonder, and kept God. typing. <laughs> okay, now, all right, actually, let's go down the depth chart at that defensive end position, Jake. Who's, what's his backup's name? Can you pronounce his that? His backup's one? name? Yeah. Okay, okay let's see. Oh, uh, Asafo Mensa would Nana be my guess. Asafo Mensa. And then yeah. the third string guy. 
Alexander Aaronsberger. Aaronsberger. Yeah. Who yeah, is 6'6 six, six and 7 eighths of an inch. They don't make this yep. easy on broadcast. Well, they, they put all of their names that are tough to pronounce and they put them all at one position. <laughs> well, in the defensive tackle, too, Jason Ademola. Uh, yeah, that's true. Maybe. Oh, the, oh, he has a uh, he has a brother. He does. Backup five Justin yeah. and a Jason. There we go. By makes way, it even I think, easier. I think this is the first time I've ever encountered a position called Viper. Probably, Me too. Yeah. So I'll kind of like it. Yeah, it's cool. Notre Dame's defense, you've been talking about the strategy for the Hokies is not to throw the ball downfield, but they have been a little susceptible to the run. I want to say they're averaging giving up four-ish yards, four and a half yards of carry. So I, could this be the game the Hokies finally get the run going? I hope so. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> feel a lot better. <laughs> um, I, I think if you've been holding back with anything with Burmeister on the read option, now would be the time to break that out. And I have. Uh, is it though, or do you want to wait for the ACC? Uh, or do you want to keep your job by beating Notre Dame? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you just at this point you just try to win the football game that's in front of you. Just try to win every. Football uh, like, game. like, I don't think uh, Pitt's a well-coached team. That like we're not going to take them by surprise. You just got to go out and out execute. Solid point. Yeah, um, and that's that's pretty much as we talked about last week. I mean, that Pitt game. Yeah. It could be the decision for the Coastal in that yeah. game. Who who wins could come next Saturday in Lane Stadium. You mentioned Burmeister. I was really surprised looking down at this roster card and seeing that he has 44 carries this year. And obviously a lot of those are scrambles. Of scrambles. But that's 11 well, carries per game. Uh, yeah, he's. I think he's listed with 20 scrambles on PFF. And how many times has he been sacked? I didn't think about that. Yeah, so, in college uh, they so so he's been, I know carries. six times against West Virginia. Uh, I want to say twice, once or twice against North Carolina. He's probably been Close sacked to 10. ten to twelve times okay. this year. So the design runs have been have been like few and far between. Ten to twelve design runs. Right, right. And Very those haven't uh, except for like one or two of them haven't really been read option plays. He did keep on the read option like on the last drive against Richmond, which I thought was interesting, but. Uh, I, if, I, who knows if you know Notre Dame? Like they know he can run, and they know at any point he can keep the ball. Um, but I, I feel I do feel like that with as well as Virginia Tech's receivers have been blocking. If you can get him out, find a way to get him out on the edge. You know, there's potentially something there. I just hope he slides before uh, Mr. Kyle Hamilton gets in his general vicinity. <laughs> Six four two twenty two. <laughs> Number 14 in your uh, program. Yes, he is going to be the guy to watch on that Notre Dame defense. We talked a lot about both of these defenses. That's the strength of the matchup, saying this is going to be a low-scoring game. But if the Hokies were to have success on offense, what do you think they would do to do, to accomplish that? They run the, have a successful running game, and then they, uh, they can work play action and I'll say smoke and mirrors uh, off misdirection off of that. Um you know, maybe Notre Dame starts selling out a little more to stop the run and gets more aggressive towards it. And I, and I think that's when Cornelson's at his best uh, as an offensive uh, coordinator is, is taking advantage of maybe aggressive defenses. And, uh, and you know, I don't know how aggressive Notre Dame is, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't know if – like, you can be, like – you can be a really good defense without being aggressive. Without being aggressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But if you mix up your coverages and fronts and things like that, which they seem to do a good job of, seem to do a good job of. 
So that brings me into our weekly segment when we have a preview. I want to get your guys' keys to the game. If Virginia Tech is going to walk out of Lane Stadium on Saturday night with a win over Notre Dame, what do they have to do? So in, in my portion of the preview, I, I wrote, you know, where I make my prediction, I wrote, you know, there, there's a couple of truisms when you're, when you're predicting or talking about an upcoming football game. Don't turn the ball over, and a few plays will decide the game. You know, and when you've got two low-scoring offenses, and it's not likely to be any sort of a shootout or anything resembling a shootout. Like like North Carolina against Virginia, there's a bunch of big plays and there's yeah. there's a bunch of mistakes and, and none of them really matter all that much. You, you kind You're going to have multiple at, opportunities. You look at the <laughs> aggregate, you know. Um, you just I, I keep going back to what I said about how if Notre Dame hadn't made those mistakes against Cincinnati, they would have won. They were down 17 nothing, and you, because you, of those mistakes, right? And it looks like it's a blowout at that point, but yeah. it's really not. It was just a few plays, yes. you know. So, so don't be the team that makes those mistakes, and try to be the team that that makes those plays. Like again, going back to the uh, the touchdown pass that uh, Pine threw. He just kind of chucked it, you know, and his guy went up and got it and shook a tackle at the two and scored. It wasn't a, a, a beautiful thing of execution. It was just a big play in the context of a game where there weren't many. So, you know, a, a Captain Obvious reporting for duty, don't turn it over and, and try to be the team. Don't give up the, the Letty Brown style run up the middle to Notre Dame. They got guys that can do that, but they haven't really done it all year. And, and don't let them do it in this game. So, yeah, so yeah, win the battle of the game-changing plays would be Will Stewart's and the, and the turnover and and I actually said in my portion of the preview in parentheses I'm ignoring the stat I gave you earlier about John Parker Romo being three and eight and Dora or whatever his name is being a 74 percent guy with a lot more experience kicking field goals. 74 percent is not great by modern standards. No, it's not. But he has. But he, he, yeah, it's it's better it's than better 37. You make three out of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I would say. Your opportunities are going to be limited in a game like this, so make sure you take advantage of them when they're there. You know, so like the opposite of the West Virginia game, and then like Notre Dame is probably not going to create many opportunities of their own offensively. So make sure you don't give them any. Yeah. Make them earn everything, and then when you get a chance, take advantage of it. So when you're Virginia Tech and you've got the wheel route that's open, or you've got the pop pass down the middle, don't throw it into the dirt. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah right. And you've. Left a lot of yards on the field uh, on some of those plays this yeah. year. And, you know, you, you hear offensive coordinators and coaches say all the time, oh, we're close, we're close, right? And, you know, I mean, I watched the Clemson game on Sunday, and Dabo's right, they are close. but Because they just keep barely overthrowing a pass or dropping a pass in single coverage. I mean, they're close. But, like, at the same time, you've done that for five games in a row, so are you ever actually going to make it over the line? Um, yeah, I, th I think I think probably Virginia Tech will have one or two games from here on out where they they just happen to hit those plays, and you're like, whoa, see what we could do, and we're on point. And then the others, it'll be yeah, it's like free throws in basketball. Yeah. You know, don't, don't go 18 for 20 in a game you're winning by 15 points. <laughs> right, go 18 for 20 in that tight game where you need all 18 of those free throws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But some, it's just one of those natures of. It's just the nature of the sport, man. Uh, I think most of Virginia Tech's games here on out, and you can say this for most teams, it's each week it is going to come down to matchups, 
turnovers and random events. I mean, we I keep using those, those three things, and I think this is another one of those games. I like Chris's basically do the exact opposite of what you did in Morgantown. Yeah, exactly. Where you give up two long plays for touchdowns early and come up empty in the red zone. Take advantage of opportunities. Don't give other opportunities. <laughs> Score more points than the other team, right? <laughs> Brilliant analysis. <laughs> There's our keys to the game. So, uh, so as far as predicting scores, looks like Chris and I both went with Virginia Tech 20, Notre Dame 17. Yeah, I'm you guys just, didn't waver at all. When, it, when it's just – when it's a game like this where I can see a clear path to victory, even though it's tight, I'm going to err on the side of, of what our readers would call the good guys. Now, uh, David uh, Cunningham broke with uh, – broke from the pack for the first time we've, we've all picked <laughs> – You've all been in line for yeah. four straight weeks. So David uh, locks in on the, the field goal stats that we've been given, and he says uh, Notre Dame 16, Virginia Tech 14. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I think I I was reading through the preview, and I, w- I would have picked Virginia Tech up until reading David's. I'm thinking about it. It could be a game where it comes it down to It would not surprise a, me if that's – Oh, it's, it's a very real – It comes down to a field goal. You miss <clears throat> it, you lose. That's yeah. an extremely realistic scenario. Well, uh, I was also looking at it. All three of you are two and two on your picks. The tech sideline readers well, are three and one now. Yeah, I mean, right. They are. Um, <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm not changing my mind this week. Like, but the two games I got wrong were the games where, like, my initial pick, I didn't feel good about it the next day, and I wanted You've to go back and change it. it, but I've already submitted for editing, so I don't want to go back and change it. Because, let's see, I picked North Carolina to win, and then the next day I'm like, you know what? I found out who Tech was going to start somebody else at, at Rover, and I just felt much, much better about the situation. I'm like, I'm Tech's going to win. I'm going to go back and change it, but I already submitted it. And you got to rewrite then, the explanation. Right, and everything. right, exactly. And then West Virginia um, was like the opposite. I picked Tech, and then the next day I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not feeling it as much as I was yesterday. Uh, but, you know, I wrote that preview yesterday and picked Tech to win a very close game, and I still feel the exact same way today. So we, no no wavering from Chris Coleman no this wavering. week. So hopefully he feels pretty good about it. Means there's a good result on the field. So so the the one where we differed was the fans picked UNC. We all picked uh, UNC to win, and the fans picked Virginia Tech to win. And so the way we do the polls, twelve uh, percent of voters picked Tech to beat North Carolina. Did I say Notre Dame earlier? I meant North Carolina. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, we'll whatever. say you said North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so, so the one where the fans differ from us was North Carolina. We picked North Carolina. The fans picked Virginia Tech. Twelve of them picked Tech to win by eleven plus points, and forty nine percent picked Tech to win by one to ten, which is what it wound up being. Yep. So that's a total of sixty one percent of Hokies fans thought Tech was going to win that game. What are the picks for Notre Dame? What are the poll results so oh, far? Oh yeah, that's a good one. So let me go back and look at that and see where we are. Uh, right now, we have, as of this moment, we have <clears throat> 571 votes, and these things typically wind up anywhere from 1,200 to 2,000 votes. So depending on the game, yeah. And and the thing is, once you have hundreds of votes, the percentages aren't really going to change much. Yeah. So nine percent are saying tech by 11 plus, 47 percent are saying tech by one so to over, ten. Over 50 percent are saying Virginia Tech's going to win. Yeah. I mean, I, I think by the end of the season, you can go back and look at every single poll. And like over fifty percent of the fans will pick us to win every single game of the season. Uh, I, I think that's, I think that's true, probable, yeah. you know. And so then it's uh, thirty <laughs> one third think Tech is going to lose by one to ten, and then there's a percentage ten uh, percent think Notre Dame kind of runs away with it. 
And you never know how – I don't think a lot of opposing fans pile into these things. I don't think that's a thing. No. No. But I do – I have seen a friend of mine um, – I'll never forget this. It was probably three or four years ago. And we put up one of those what do you think Virginia Tech's record will be this year polls. Oh, right. And this is when Tech was a, a meh football team. And he scrolled down and went 12-0. and 0. You know, just just being that guy, <laughs> you know. So there, there's. I don't know what the margin of error for there's. A, there's always is. people who know something's not going to happen, but they they just do that just, just, just to be that anyway. guy. Like I'm the, a good host. The nine percent of people saying that Tech's going to win by eleven plus. And, and you also, but you also have the <laughs> to the, win by eleven, you got to score eleven. <laughs> you, you also have you also have uh, the people who. They're going to be negative no matter what. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. there's no way we're going to beat Notre Dame. We lose ten. 10 plus just they always expect we can't we almost scored 21 against richmond how are we going to beat notre dame right Notre Dame by 10 plus i put something on twitter the other day i don't remember what it was and it made tech look good and it got like i don't know 150 retweets and and not 150 retweets excuse me 150 likes and 20 retweets and one guy responded with something negative so that's what you (laughs) see is that negative response but you got to look and see the retweets and the likes they way outnumber that negative guy I think the uh, the fans have also they've guessed the score right every time. The Richmond one was right on that line. The they were fans eleven said plus. Said Tech win by eleven plus, and so they, they won by eleven. So yeah. still in that range. And then one to ten against North Carolina, eleven plus against Middle Tennessee, which were all correct. So fans oh, doing a good. They're right so again this week. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's talk to those fans and see what they're putting in the YouTube chat. I'll send nice it over to segue, Katie. Man. That was very there good. <laughs> Just two questions this week. First one from Dan Steinbach. He says, we've seen Notre Dame's defense go against a bad quarterback with Mertz and win and a good quarterback and Ritter and lose due to their bad offense. Does Braxton need to play his best game to win or do we just need to score early and hold on? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any holding on to it. I mean, if Tech gets up 14 to nothing or something, I'm going to feel really good about it. Because <laughs> then Notre Dame's just going to have to drop back and pass the whole time. And I yeah. just don't think they're really that type of football team. Um I, I've obviously Cincinnati quarterback is, is very, very good. Um, and the Cincinnati's offense as a whole is, is very good. Um, I don't want to sound too much like a football coach, but I mean, Braxton, when he has the opportunity to make a play, he needs to make it. And then he just needs to not screw it up on the other plays. Um, I, I would answer this way. Uh, <clears throat> I do think we need to see something from him, from him in the running game that we haven't seen. Uh, Besides just scrambling. Yeah, in, in, in uh, and he's been a great scrambler, don't yeah. get me wrong. But in, in my dream world, if there was – he did say there was something up with his shoulder. He wasn't specific. Then the two weeks off of healed him, and he's going to go out and rip off 10 to 12 read option runs where he averages eight yards a carry. So there's, there's that part of what could happen. But if you look at his passing grades at, given by PFF, he was an 86% against North Carolina. He was excellent. And he was in the 50s, mid-50s the next two games. And you're talking rating. Yes, yes. The, the PFF grade. Great, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was in the mid-50s the next two games and then low 60s against uh, Richmond. If he elevates that to the – if his PFF grade is 70 to 75 to maybe even 80, then I think that really gives Tech a much better chance to win this game, particularly if he uncorks some sort of running game with it. Those are both really good signs. Mm-hmm. Now, he can he can do either or, and still it's a good thing for Virginia Tech. But in general, uh, a little a little or a lot better in at least one of those areas. Well, shout out to Dan Steinbach for the great question. He is one of the hosts of the 3304 Sports Podcast. Ah, does nah. a great job for us. All right. 
And then from Spencer Swain, do you think the inability to get the ball down the field to our receivers comes down to Brad Cornelson's game plan and the route trees, or is it the receivers not doing their jobs and not developing? Oh, man. All of the above. Yeah, and the quarterback yeah. just not. And sometimes it's the, the, the ball's not there. I mean, what we've, we've seen, gosh, we've seen a miscommunication between Burmeister and Peyute when Burmeister threw the back shoulder and Peyute kept going. We've seen one hit Caleb Smith in the hands that he probably should have caught. It's all Caleb Smith's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then we've seen Burmeister not be accurate on some others. We've seen wide receivers absolutely not being able to get separation on some others. And we have and, heard both Fuente and Burmeister say that there are throws he has not tried to make that maybe he should have. Right, right. So, I mean, there's never when, – when something's going wrong in football, it's generally not, generally not one thing that is causing it all to go wrong. Um I mean, Notre Dame's quarterbacks aren't playing well, but that can't just be pinned on the quarterbacks. They can't block anybody either. Um, Now, when Tech has hit a ball deep down the field, like the sideline throw against UNC uh, to Trey Turner, everything about that play was perfect. Um, Although you could even say that Turner didn't have very much separation on the play. It was just a a perfectly placed ball. It's a big-time throw. I just just don't think, like, Burmeister's got an inconsistent downfield arm. And I don't think that's something that will be fixed overnight uh or maybe it will um i thought he pushed it when i saw him in the preseason i thought he was pushing the ball down the field pretty well uh now granted my basis of comparison was like the next guy after him throwing the ball was knox katum and and knox katum does not have a strong arm at all he's that's probably an fcs level arm strength so that's what i'm seeing that's my basis for comparison right because they're the two guys throwing there so I just I think we kind of are what we are. I don't think we have the personnel to have a good deep game. I just don't think we do. Well, and this isn't the game you want to have a good or you would well, like you to, have, would a like to deep, have a good deep, deep game, game but, but this is not the game you probably want to attack downfield against. Yeah, unless Kyle Hamilton sees some shiny thing over there and wanders off, <laughs> stay away from it. Yeah, um, it's just it seems like if you do too much of that this game, you're attacking their strength with your weakness, yep. and that just doesn't seem like a good idea. Yep. Let's do one more. If Fuente and Corn, or sorry, from Ronnie Adams, if Fuente are Fuente and Cornelson missing a dominant H back, it seems they always had a good package of plays from that position. Plus, now, Keen was a heck of a run blocker. Is that a, is that Ronnie no relation Adams? No, is I don't know. Uncle that is. Or not related <laughs> to me. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see. That's a good question, actually. So when Fuente first got here, his H back was Sam Rogers. Yeah. He was not a traditional H back. Uh, more of a fullback. They could also use him as a running back. He was a different kind of yeah, way underrelated as an athlete. Yeah, underrated um, as an athlete. Yeah. He was Sam Rogers was probably more like Fuente's H back that he had at Memphis, whose name I forget. Um, then the next year, or for the next three years, his H back was Dalton King, and Dalton King was able to come in and play the position as a true freshman, despite the fact that he'd been a high school running back and he had never played the position before, which is extremely impressive. Um, then Keen left, and I'm not even sure who I would consider their H back now. It was not just not James Mitchell. Well, he was not playing now, but even even last year it wasn't. I wouldn't have considered it James Mitchell. Like I, I don't I don't know if it's. I guess it'd be Gallo technically, but yeah, I mean I. That's a solid point. Like I I don't I don't know who exactly I would term as Virginia Tech's H back. So maybe that is that could be a a, a big part of the missing piece. And you would assume it's Nick Gallo kind of playing that role a little bit, or at least he was when James Mitchell was there, yeah. kind of playing the Sam Rogers well, to James Mitchell's Bucky Hodges. Well, but. you know, I remember two years ago, they, they actually lined Mitchell up in the slot a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
And because, you know, you had Dalton Keene who could play your H-back role. And you don't really – an H-back is a guy who lines up at tight end in line or in the backfield, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Generally a fullback slash tight end right. is, is a general description of an H-back. Not a guy you put out wide. No, but you like can. Like a wide receiver. You can. Yeah, I mean, they, they did that with Sam Rogers a little bit. Hmm. Um, I mean, how exactly he's used can vary a little bit based on the skill set of the, of the player. Um but yeah, you know, who is Virginia Tech's H-back? You know, there's not a lot of guys listed as tight end on this roster. There's James Mitchell, Nick Gallo, Drake Dulius, and then there's uh, Jared Gibble and Ty Eller. And that's that's the only five I see at TE. Right. And I don't know what they've got in the true freshman class that maybe not not, not listed on this roster uh, card. Gibble, you just listed him. Yeah, he was listed. <laughs> yep. Well, Keen and Rogers, pretty much for the entirety of their time at Tech, they were – Big play threats, uh, and we're usually able to get downfield, make some plays out of the backfield, and that could be something that they're missing when it comes to the explosiveness of the offense. Yeah, um, that that's a good question. Uh, that'd actually be a good question for Brandon Patterson. Okay. To maybe do an article about Our analyst. Or, or <laughs> analyst, yeah. He's, he's more X's and O's inclined than I am. Um, but that's a really good point about, about the H-back and how, you know, Fuente used to talk about how difficult it was to play H-back because, you know, except for quarterback, it was the hardest position to play on offense. And he used to say that about, like, Dalton King because it was really impressive how quickly Dalton King was able to come in and and start um, as a true freshman learning that second hardest position. Good good questions from the YouTube chat today. Yeah. Yeah, So so let me pimp Brandon Patterson a little bit. He uh, he wrote a recent article for us about uh, Tenuta and Hoffman and – they're they're not playing as well as they did last year, you know, either eye test or PFF grades. And Brandon broke things down really well. Uh, he didn't get hugely into the nuts and bolts of how, how offensive linemen, the technique and all that stuff, but he said a few things I remember that was really interesting, that Hoffman apparently you know, in a press conference talked about needing, needing to get their footwork right. And Brandon specifically said that the second step that an offensive lineman makes is very important. They make their first step, and that's generally short. And if you extend on your second step, then you you lose strength. And he said, you know, picture yourself when you're pushing something, you're taking short steps. You lose a lot of your leverage if you take longer steps. Mm-hmm. And then he also talked about Brock bringing his hands from down low up high. He called it a granny shot technique, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. talk, talking about the basketball term, but so he got into a little bit of that, and there's only so much he can see watching, uh, you know, television film from fairly far away. Uh, but uh, he he writes some really interesting stuff, cracks a few jokes along the way, and if you sign up for a monthly subscription, your first month is free. So and free can, for students right now. That is correct. Well, brings us into where I wanted to go. What's coming up over the next couple of days before the Notre Dame game on TechSideline.com? Preview already posted today. Inside the numbers tomorrow. Uh, Friday q and I'll probably post that Thursday night, actually, because I'm going to be gone all day Friday. And I'm sure Jason Sam will send some stuff, too. For recruiting coverage. For recruiting Perfect. coverage. Yeah. Perfect. And I know there's basketball content coming up, too. With David, I believe, is hard at work in the next room right now on a basketball. Right, not the basketball press conference, right? From yesterday, yeah. 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 Or so. from Monday. Getting close to crossover season here with football So, so what exactly is the Storm Murphy nickname now? Is it Little Rat? <laughs> That's what Mike Young called him. He, he's a little yeah he said something like like, like I, I love it. i can't believe it when i see that little rat running around <laughs> he said he's mean <laughs> as a snake he's got all these so he looks he looks like a paper boy but he's mean as a snake 
Mike Young has the most quotable answers. Like, man, we, we have got to start a t-shirt shop that just sells Mike Young quotes <laughs> on t-shirts. You know, anybody want that job? <laughs> we'll give you a cut of the profits. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 197 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We dove into Virginia Tech and Notre Dame coming up on Saturday, 730 kick on the ACC network from Lane Stadium. I want to thank everybody on set. Will Stewart across the way, the founder and general manager for TechSideline.com. You can find him at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Katie Adams in our fourth chair. Again, some great trivia and nuggets today in that middle section and did a great job with the YouTube questions. You can find her at Katie6Adams on Twitter. And as always, Malcolm Stewart doing a great job behind the scenes. I'm Jake Lyman signing off here on episode 197 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Enjoy the game, Hokies fans. We'll see you next week. Thank you.